Welcome to Talking Tourism, the podcast series created specifically for tourism operators. Talking Tourism, the expert series, is the ultimate resource for business owners who want to lift their skills to the next level. If you want to learn how to be a better tourism operator, listen on. Hello and welcome to Talking Tourism, the podcast series for Tasmanian tourism operators and professionals. Talking Tourism is an initiative of Tourism Industry Council Tasmania, or TICT, the peak industry body for tourism in the beautiful state of Tasmania. I'm your host today, Luke Martin, and my day job is as CEO of TICT. This edition of Talking Tourism forms part of a series we've been releasing every fortnight since the COVID-19 crisis began in March to keep Tasmanian tourism operators and industry stakeholders engaged and informed about the latest developments as we work through the crisis and onto our recovery. We're also featuring conversations of local industry leaders, tourism gurus, operators and from right across the state about their lived experience, insights and advice as we all make our way through these extraordinary times, especially for those of us in tourism. We acknowledge the support of the Tasmanian Government through Tourism Tasmania and the Department of State Growth in making these episodes possible. Also, we're recording off the back of National Reconciliation Week, and I want to take a few moments to acknowledge the Tasmanian Aboriginal people, their elders, past, present and emerging, and their enduring custodianship and belonging to these lands, Lotterwita, Tasmania. Joining me today is David Reid. Now, regular listeners of Talking Tourism would be highly familiar with David Reid because he usually hosts the episodes. And I know it's probably uh, does a far better job than some of us who have been stepping in over recent weeks. But he is also one of Tasmania's best known and respected tourism industry leaders as an operator, industry advocate, manager, representative, uh, chairman of RTOs, tourism awards judge and various other hats over the best part of three decades. G'day, David. Oh, g'day, Luke. I'm feeling old. You're feeling old. 30 years? Well, I thought I was being a bit light on in 30 years, isn't it? You're tipping think, over that milestone, aren't you? <laughs> Good morning. And, and, and how are you, Luke? I'm well. Are you, have you been listening in? Have, um, I know you, this is your baby, these Talking Tourism podcasts. Have um, Amy and I been uh, been able to meet the mark at the standard that you'd accept? Look, only just, I've got to say, only just. But I, I have been uh, keeping my ear to the ear glued to the various things, and I'm, I'm, I've been fascinated by some of it. Very interesting, must good. say. And, Very I'm good a, and I know, and I'm sure um, our, our regular listeners, as soon as we uh, we get past this uh, COVID crisis and we get back under uh, the regularity of talking tourism, um, you'll be back with us shortly, and um, particularly uh, some of those conversations, some of industry leaders. If you haven't listened to the one with Rob Pennicott, do yourself a favour, uh, tune into the David's uh, conversation with Rob Pennycott. It is fantastic. Yeah, he was good value, wasn't he? Really yeah. good value. Yeah, typical Rob. Yeah. But uh, this one, this one, we brought you in today because as well as being our uh, multitude of roles across tourism, you're also our go-to guru for yield management. And you're going to have to explain to me and others what yield management means. But essentially what I rationalise it is, is how to make money if you can make money as a small tourism business operator uh, in this uh, um, in this industry. And I feel that's a pretty poignant topic right now, not necessarily how we make money, but potentially how do we, do we not lose money. Um, yeah. Explain to me, what, what in, from a tourism sense, what's yield ultimately mean? Okay. Well, yield management is not a software program that you can download on your phone and all of a sudden it does things for you. It's not that at all. It's a... It's a the objectives of yield management are easier to explain than what it actually is. Um, it's all about working out who the market is, uh, what your price, uh, what your price and cost of relationships are. So, what the distribution is, uh, you know, paying commissions, in other words, 
And it's a suite of, of components. Um, so you look at your all your variable costs, which a lot of people don't bother to do and work out actually what the power cost is per night and all that sort of stuff. And, uh, and then you work out, uh, when you work all those things out and put them down on a piece of paper, you suddenly think, well, I wonder what the best opportunity it is for maximising my return. So it's actually, um, I've written a little paper about it once, and it's called uh, Yield Management is Therefore, it's allocating the right accommodation to the right customer at the right price with the objective of maximising your yield. And right now, of course, there is a huge push for everybody in Tasmania to reopen on the June the 15th, the magic number, which is, I think, is going to be confirmed, isn't it, Luke, by the Premier soon? Yeah, I think counting down the days, but all, all systems looking like June 15 is the date. And yeah. People so, are so, taking so, bookings for then as well, so... Um, yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen that. And if you if you were to go to... Uh, if you were to go to booking.com this morning, as I did, and try and uh, pretend to book a room in Hobart, you'd find some ridiculous prices. Um, ridiculous in the sense that everybody is uh, is is fighting to find a a bottom to where the market might end up, and that's going to be really interesting for people when they reintroduce their business to the world as to what they really want to do. And some people might find that reintroducing their business to the world is not profitable for the first few months. When you consider that we had 1.3 million visitors last year to the state and they've all disappeared. Mm. So we're only looking at Tasmanians. The 2018 survey didn't show a, a huge, well, it, it's buoyant and it's big, but it's nothing like the, uh, the, the buoyancy and the scale and size and operation of tourism in Tasmania in 2019. So the bits that I can that I can glean from the National Visitor Survey is that in 2018 there were 1.4 million overnight trips made by Tasmanians within Tasmania. Yeah. And so that's, if you think about 300,000 people out of the 500,000 residents, if 300,000 of them went for five trips a year, that's about 1.4 million overnight trips. But that, think of all the people that go camping. Yeah, by camping I mean, or up to Aunt, uh, Auntie Mavis's up at uh, the East Coast yeah, or, yeah, yeah, um, or yeah. people like me who make 20-odd work trips at, uh, to different parts of the Indeed. state. So the market is small. The market is small, and, and, th and that brings us to the point about if you want to enter that market, um, what are you going to do? How are you going to make it attractive to enter that market? And are you going to enter the market at a price point which makes you and the customer happy? And that's really important because sometimes you, you can blindly disappear into a pricing spiral and find yourself not making any money at all. And it would, would, he, would have been better to sit at home and drink coffee. So, yeah, and, and let's let's unpack that, right? So essentially yield okay. management, as I read it, is that uh, you've got a, a room, an asset, and you yep. yourself own, own a bunch of them. It costs you a certain amount of money to put that out into the market, yep. whether that's from yep. – uh, Obviously, the distribution costs, so the commission of Booking.com, however you happen to sell your room through, your cleaner, your power bill, your your asset, sure. and eventually, if you keep dropping your rate, your profit, your yield of, of actually mm. making that room is um, starts to decrease mm. dramatically, doesn't it? And so, that's ultimately what we're talking about. If you race to the bottom, price yeah. yourself to a point, um, frankly, it, it would be almost easier to sit it out. Yes, it, it would be. Quite frankly, it might be better to sit out on JobKeeper in some some people's circumstances. I was talking to a bloke the other day because I'm one of the mentors for your program about um, uh, uh, COVID recovery. Yeah. So I, I, I was seeing a regional motel 
and he was selling his rooms at 70 bucks a night and I thought, oh, dear, oh, dear. So we went and did some sums. But what I didn't uh, factor in was that he was selling them at a minimum four-night stay for the local grader driver and other people that were working up and down the roads as, as essential workers. And so he only cleaned them once and he was actually making reasonable money. So mm. so it, it, it's all a question of the, of the dollars. So if I can do a terribly simple equation yep. and show you how by lowering your rack rate, you can make more money by putting in a minimum two-night stay onto your, onto your website. So, 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 so this is just unpack this the hypothetical scenario. Hypothetical, I'm putting my rooms up and I am selling them on a two night minimum stay. And well, let's let's, let's make the let's numbers start. Right. Okay, uh, let's start by saying I've got a I've got a I've got a place at at Codrock Point at Bishno, and I know that it costs me eight dollars a night in power. I know that it costs me seventeen dollars because that's the laundry bill, and I choose to send all my laundry away. Now, lots of people can do their own laundry, but they need to factor in, it does cost them something yep. to do their own laundry. I know that it costs me about six bucks in tea and coffee and soap and candles and all that stuff every night that someone says it. Yep. But some people have breakfast as well, so you've got to include bacon and eggs and goodness knows what. So that's what I call the consumables. So the laundry, the power, the consumables, and then there's the cleaning cost. So you're looking, I at, know, you're looking at 30 bucks just there from what you said. So for you to, your consumables. Yeah, and I, 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 it costs me because I choose to employ people. Yeah. Now, some people will do all the cleaning themselves. But in this term, you don't need to, in this time of COVID, you don't need to price yourself in. But for anybody that, that does use a cleaner, it'll cost you an hour and a half or something to clean an apartment. Motel rooms are cheaper, but an apartment with a kitchen, in other words, costs a little more. And by the way, we've now got to remember that cleaning has two separate activities because we've got to mm. clean and then we've got to disinfect. So it will be a little bit more expensive. But let's say I add 60 bucks in for cleaning, which is about an hour and a half at $40 an hour. So we end up at $90 a night. Mm. So 8 17 6 and 60 is $90 a night. It costs me to clean and turn over that apartment. So let's say I sell it for 100 bucks that night. I've made ten dollars. You made ten bucks. Okay, ten bucks. I've made. Now that's booking me, direct. Your commission. That's booking direct, and that's not including any overhead. No. That's not including um, uh, credit card fees. It's not including a whole range of other things that we'll factor in. This is just a simple exercise to say, okay, now I want to reduce my price. I want to go from hundred to ninety. Someone say, well, you're bloody mad. Okay, so go to ninety bucks, but put a two night stay in it and see what happens. So now I've got, I've got. Sold it for a hundred dollars for one night, but I've sold it for a hundred and eighty dollars for two nights. Yeah, but I've still only got ninety dollars to clean it, so I've made forty-five dollars a night at lowering my price. So you're only cleaning for once of the two nights. Yeah, does it make any sense? It does. So I've lowered my price to ninety bucks, but because I've got a two-night stay, so I've got a hundred and eighty dollars revenue for the same cleaning. Now it's not difficult to put. A minimum two night stay on your on your website. So please start to factor in, especially in this position where we're wanting to get people to travel again around Tasmania. Let's hope that they don't want to travel everywhere, whiz, 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 round and round at a million miles an hour. Let's hope they come and stay with you for two or three nights, maybe four. So what we ought to do is to consider a first of all a minimum two night two night stay. But the other thing I'd like to talk to you about is how you might incentivise people to come rather than just 
discounting the price. So unpack that again yep. on, on almost every accommodation offering, or you would be looking at a scenario similar to what you've just mapped out. I mean, they're simple maths, but the reality is your, your return simply for that cost of cleaning and, and indeed yep. the, the use of the consumables increases, yep. your yield increases the longer you stay. So your, your strong advice to seriously consider, if you're a small business, particularly for the target market, incentives, whether it's through lower cost per night absolutely absolutely to, to put a minimum night cap stay minimum night and lower the cost per night so that i would put an incentive that the fourth night you stay it's half price or give it away or the fifth night is a giveaway so you can really you, you really get people to stay that that because that extra night doesn't cost you anything apart from a bit of power they've paid for everything else they're still going to you're still going to only change it you know once over so and, the fourth and the, night and the commission, the third or fourth night, you could actually give it away for nothing. You could give it away for nothing. Yeah, and and what a great incentive! Now the other incentives that people could can do instead of saying, "Well, I want to get, I, I want to, I want to compete with all the other people in the market." The other thing to do is to add value to your product. So please start considering uh, putting in breakfasts, putting in uh, a, a hamper, bottle uh, of wine, putting in putting a bottle of wine. Um, um, I'd put a bottle of wine in at a discounted price. I wouldn't because people don't value it. Uh, I, I would put a, a $30 bottle of wine at only 15 bucks yeah. so, so, so that they can, they can help themselves if they would like it when they get there, but it looks really good. But I also think about a packed lunch maybe, something like that. But there are lots of things you can do to incentivise people to add value and build a package around your product rather than just sit there and hang your hat on price. Yeah. So because every everybody is going to hang their hat on the price if we're not careful. We're talking about this is just before we were chatting about the interview. And I mean, I'm I'm as a consumer, I'm looking at going to cradle over the July school holidays. Everyone's doing obviously this, and and there's a lot of good value propositions. Uh, yes. I guarantee I'm looking for the one that has breakfast inclusive because they've got five five mouths to feed and uh, and kids for dinner and breakfast. And that incentive rather than looking at the $8 price difference between two hotels that are offering the same, essentially the same yes. standard room. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and <clears throat> I think people that will, will th- people that will uh, really succeed are people like that who have a destination who are close to a, a national park. But, I mean, why wouldn't the people at Sheffield say exactly the same thing as the people staying at, at Cradle? So, yeah. so it's all part of the same thing. And if you're close to a mountain bike track, people are desperate to get out and do stuff that they haven't done for quite a while. So so I, I don't see it being uh, particularly a negative time. I find it very positive to consider reopening. And I know I've said, oh, gee, there's a lot of people going, you know, there's a lot of people going to try and, and, and enter the market but I still think that there is a big opportunity for a lot of people to have a bit of a dip here. I think it's going to be good. So the, uh, the, the other card to obviously play with this incentivising for people to book multiple night stays where your business, your proposition suddenly increases or to get your value add is to yes. book direct. So we want people you, to – You must. You don't want to pay must. 10 15% of your, your value no. going off to the high, Cayman Islands or wherever, you know, these companies no. are paying their taxes. I, so this is, a, this is a very interesting question because I believe that Tasmanians – will book their Tasmanian holiday direct. Yeah. I don't think they will go through Expedia, Booking.com and What If. I honestly think that they will be able to deal direct. So the question is, how do you tell the Tasmanians that you've got an offer um, and what your offer might be or what your incentive might be? And obviously, uh, social media comes to play here and so does your own website. So does your 
uh, so, so do the other projects that different uh, regional tourism organisations and Tourism Tasmania, no doubt, are planning about how to kickstart our accommodation again. And so I'm sure that there will be lots of opportunities for us to deal directly with our customers. So if you're active, I, if you're active on social media, yeah, but say, say you don't have time or you don't feel confident uh, you don't have the time or you don't feel confident to get your, your booking button set up on, on your website. I mean, everyone should have it. If they don't, then, you know, that's perhaps a project for the next two or three weeks if you do want to play in this market. But what you can do is obviously incentivize people to ring or email direct to, to access that value-add proposition, that great three-for-two-night deal or whatever you're, you're putting in the market. Yeah. 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 You don't yeah, have yeah. to have that booking button on your website to be able to to encourage people to book no, direct. No, no, you don't have to have a booking button, but it would be highly desirable that you do. I mean, it, it is a lot of people do need to make decisions about where they're going and if they can see your website and look at the different opportunities that there are and understand the different things to do around your accommodation and around your region and you've got links to the national parks or the fishing charter or whatever it might be around the place and you can see what people do because you've got a blog running around it, then you then people are much more inclined to have all of that endorsement about how well your product is placed yeah. and they are likely much more likely to book. Right, so I so would highly recommend that. Don't, don't race to the bottom. Know your costs no. for operating. Know how much it actually costs you to store your room and factor that into where you set your price. Consider doing multiple night stays. Yeah. And mm. if you've got 20 rooms, only open 10 of them. Only open 10 only of them. Only keep 10 of them warm or five of them warm every night. Don't don't go and open the whole place. I mean, that would be crazy if you've got 20 rooms in a, in a small regional motel somewhere. Just open five or six at a time and see how you go. Um, so... so uh, it, 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 you do need to make people welcome and warm. It would be terrible if you turned up at, in a cold and damp room. I'm sorry, it has, hasn't been used for the last two months and I forgot to turn the power on. So, so, so make sure that whatever you're doing is, is, is fresh and, and terrific and, and please don't just consider that you need the price. And add value. I think that's an important point. Add value rather than consider discounting. And whatever you can do to incentivize people booking direct. um, Absolutely. Key takeouts. All right. So we started this, we did say that there'd be some businesses that would be probably weigh all that up, look at their cost structures, look at the scale of the market and probably sit it out. But at the same time, I know we've got a bloody resilient industry who are, you know, wanting to have a crack and, um, you know, want to want to do the right thing as well in terms of feeling like they want to be open for business and and provide that opportunity. Yes. It's yeah. I get the risk I see is that business is open now. They get a bit of a rush over the June as everyone wants to come out of hibernation. Then we've got our July school holidays. Then it's a complete unknown. What's the interstate market going to look like in August, September once we get past that bit of a rush? The unknown of when border restrictions will be lifted, the unknown of what the borders are going about, what the domestic market's going to look like when border restrictions are eased. Um, if you're a business that's had a lot of international markets, you know the reality is we the complete unknown about when that might recover over the next six to twelve months. How on earth do you plan or budget or do your forecast or any sort of business planning in that context? I don't think you can. I honestly don't think that is a sensible solution to say I'm the best business planner in the world. I think the only answer is to know actually what your costs are that are going out the door. And I think you've got to make arrangements with everybody that you can. 
land tax rates, whatever their heavy burdens are, pay your insurance monthly rather than having a great big belt once a year. Do lots of little things to try and uh, ameliorate these these outgoings and you just need to sit on your hands and watch. Literally now, a week by you, week, month by month proposition. And you can dip your toe in the water. I mean, the great thing about I'm only talking about accommodation here, yeah. Luke. We'd, yeah. I'm not a yield manager for restaurants. Now, how you would operate with five people in a normal, you know, 50-seat restaurant, I wouldn't have the faintest idea. So let's not go on that one. Mm. We're only talking about accommodation. Yeah. The fixed costs are the biggest ones. So to, that is the cost of your capital uh, and or, or if you own it, the opportunity cost of why don't I sell this and, and put the money in the share market. Mm. Anyway, the, 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 the point I'm making is you can dip in and out of this. You can, you can. If you're not employing a lot of people and if you do employ people and they're casual, then you can just dip in and out and see how the market is flowing. It is very difficult to predict, oh, well, Jetstar will be here on September the 8th mm. or, you know, and they will have prices that are competitive so that they will be full. And even if they did start, how many planes are going to actually arrive? I mean, yeah. it's going to be extremely difficult for anybody to predict any of this. So plotting the future is fraught with danger. Plotting your expenses is the thing, seeing what is going out the door. And some people will come to a very sensible conclusion, which is it's probably best for us to sit and watch. Mm. We're better off if we've got all this activity going round and round us and to every time we open, we're, uh, we're, we put ourselves up to some risk we're much better off to stay at home and do nothing. So on that, the other big risk I see is that everyone spends a lot, well, relative, you know, a lot for a small business with no revenue coming in for the last three months on marketing. And uh, I want to go and, you know, everything we've suggested, you know, three night for two stay or you're, you're, you're incentivized free breakfast and hamper meals for a small accommodation business. Everyone goes out and pays for the large ad in certain publications or drops a bomb on even TV ads. We've seen a bit of that already started. What's your thoughts around advertising at the moment? Would you just absolutely be pulling back until you see any sense or would you be going hard? Or My thought is this. It depends how big you are. My thoughts are about advertising is entirely, is entirely um, related to how big a rock you can throw into the pond mm. to make ripples that make any sense at all. If you are as big as I am, um, which is three small apartments in a regional town in the middle of Tasmania on the coast, I can't make any impact at all, none. Uh, alone and singly and unaided, I can't. So what we have done in Bishano is to group together and suggest that now Bishano as a place, yeah, we can do something, but me, I couldn't do anything at all, absolutely pointless. Yeah. So um, we have joined together and banded together and put something together which will be in the papers in a few days' time. And that's all great. Uh, that's what I would be suggesting to people. Yeah. It, if you are a scale and size, let's say you're part of a Golden Chain group or a Best Western group, or there are plenty of groups that are about that, that will do things and have very sophisticated marketing people advise them. But here, and, here are you and I, Luke, advising the small end of town, if I could put it that way, um, in some places in regional Tasmania, and they will not be able to make a big cut through, I doubt, by themselves. My my advice would be please go and get together with your neighbours and see what you can do as a region yeah. Yeah. and or as a town. I'm not suggesting a great big region. I'm suggesting as a town. 
know. Your local tourism association, find out what they're up to. If not, perhaps talk about initiating something, maybe a product proposition, even on social with a, if you're a combination business, try and find a tour operator that's or an attraction that's maybe you want to yes. give a package and put that out or obviously yep. you know, work with the regional tourism bodies that are, they're going to be trying to do as much as they can. There are lots of small groups that used to travel out of Tasmania that now can't. Walking groups, photographic groups, watercolorists, a whole range of people that used Nomads. to go on little t- little tours. Sorry? Nomads. Nomads. Caravanners. Now, where are they going to go and what are they going to do? So I've got some meetings this afternoon on um, about, about uh, talking to travel agents, Tasmanian travel agents, who used to send people outbound, but now they can't. Well, they've still got the people and they still want to go places, so let's find somewhere in Tasmania that they can go. So th- there are some... But these are small numbers. You know, all of this is, is small fry. And it doesn't suit everybody. So um, there are a number of tiny strategies, but they're all quite small. Though. There's right. no there's no single answer to this. This is the thing. We, we've got to individualise the solutions for, for everybody, really. Good advice, David. I hope, I'm sure, um, and I know a lot of our audience listening to this are very much those owner-operator mum and dad businesses who, like you, frankly, have, um, have everything on the line um, around the state and trying to navigate this. So I'm sure there's some pearls of wisdom. Hope so everyone's picked well, up. My pearl of wisdom is this. I made a stupid bungle some years ago when I bought my business in my superannuation <laughs> fund. <laughs> and you know the super fund is not eligible for JobKeeper. <laughs> So, so we don't have anything. We've had no income or no support from anywhere for anywhere. Could be worse. It could be super uh, funds aren't, aren't aren't eligible. I think it's very funny. It could be worse. Yeah. Could have you? You could still have that superannuation held within a share market at the moment, David. I, the last time I looked at mine, I think I aged about ten years, getting closer to retirement. So. Um, <laughs> Well, let's end this on a positive note. You have been on this industry for 35 years. I had the same conversation with your uh, your partner in crime, Mr. Current, and a few other wiser heads, ranks, and various others. Are you optimistic? Are you positive? All jokes aside, where do you see us in a couple of years? Oh, I think it's a perfect time to reset. You see, I don't. I think there's that old adage of never waste a good crisis. What I'm getting more and more um, uh, angsty about is that we are not taking the opportunity of saying which which are the best markets for us in the future? What do we want to see this like in five years' time? Because mm. if you ask me what I want to see in five years' time, it'll be completely different to someone down the road, someone down. So I wonder if we're polling everybody what we want to see in five years' time. Is the mass market of some of the uh, areas that we saw that were coming to Tasmania, are they the markets that we want to encourage? I'm not saying you don't. I'm not saying you ban people from coming to Tasmania. That's a bit draconian. But what I'm saying is where do you go and invest your money? Mm. Where do you, as, a, as a small business, Tourism Tasmania or Tourism in Tasmania, should I say, not the organisation, as a thought of tourism in Tasmania, what do we want to see in the next few years? And how do we want to, to, to manage that process? So how, which, which markets do we want to grow? Because if that if a particular market of Western Australia was so good, well, then we ought to spend some more money in there mm. rather than just plodding on and saying, well, I wonder what's going to happen next. Because if, if, if we just wonder what's going to happen next, we will be at the end of the world, at the bottom of the line, and we'll just take what comes. Now, that's a ridiculous proposition where we have so much to offer the planet, and I seriously believe we should have an absolute blank sheet of paper now and say, building up. What do we want to see in five years' time and who do we want to see visiting Tasmania because they'll be so, they'll be so valuable to us 
and they're the ones, they're the marketplaces that we should decide to invest in. And send them up to Vishnu. They, everybody should come to Vishnu. No, you see, you see, that's another point. No, no, sorry, I've opened that rabbit warren. This is a classic. This is a classic discussion. I was in the news agent the other day, and someone was saying, "For goodness' sake, don't host the Vishnu Food and Wine Festival again, David. We don't want one." Oh, now, isn't that interesting that people don't yeah. want large numbers of people in Vishnu? They're happy to have our accommodation filled with a few hundred. Yeah. But you put 3,000 people into Vishnu in one afternoon, yeah. no thanks. The community might not want this. So, so, again, you know, careful what you wish for. Yeah, yeah. balance balance management, I guess. Key message. You, talk about, you, you started off by talking about how you manage the, your businesses through uncertain. It's just on a different scale about the whole industry. It's about, you know, we, we don't know what the future is going to hold, so it's about being strategic and being proactive about yes. recognising it rather than just waiting for the waiting for the, the unknowns yeah. to present to us. And I guess that's probably the I mean, I, I, I seriously have I, I seriously have been around to my to to, to my uh, to my creditors. I've been to see them. Oh, sorry, not personally see them. I I've I've visited them on online to say, I'm sorry, I can't pay that this month. I can pay it next month or I can pay it over a period of time. So I don't I don't um uh, I just we, we've delved into all of our savings. We've done all that sort of stuff. But right now, I think everybody should be looking at um, okay, h- how long? How long is this going to is go, is it going to last? Uh, I, I do want to be positive about it. But the active steps you can take is you can manage your outflows, and you can manage your outflows. So you know, just just keep a handle on all these things that you're doing. Um, and as I said before, when we first started our conversation about making sure that we've got uh, a handle on these variable costs every time you sell a room. Yeah. On that note, wise words. Thank you, David. Um, there was another reason for getting you uh, for this episode was that I'm going to plug the TRCT Tassie Tourism Masterclass, which is a 12-week <laughs> online, 12-week online learnings, and you can get more of David and other uh, tourism gurus starting this Friday. Um. Uh, visit trct.com.au and, and follow that program. It's essentially 12 weeks, 12 different modules. I'm talking about a, there'll be a week on yield and financial management, which this whole podcast has been about. Uh, there'll be others about SME tourism marketing over coming weeks. So I do encourage you to uh, to listen in. And uh, David, you, you're you're kicking us off uh, this week with your uh, your Tourism 101. So look forward to seeing you on that. Thanks for okay, joining us. Okay, thank you very much. This is Talking Tourism. My name's Luke Martin. Uh, please check out some of the other episodes we've launched today and keep tuning in. We'll keep these COVID-19 specials of Talking Tourism going probably for another couple of weeks and um, and then we'll start getting uh, back into the flow of normality as, uh, as our border restrictions look to reopen um, and some of our markets start to return. Thank you for joining us. You've been listening to Talking Tourism, brought to you by Tourism Industry Council Tasmania. For show notes, other materials and episodes, head to tict.com.au. Be sure to come back every fortnight for a new instalment of Talking Tourism.